right, so today on the Sound Iron Podcast, we are going to talk about some new AI stuff, of course. We're going to talk about Granny Piano. We're going to talk about one of my favorite YouTubers, Potato Jet. We're going to talk about Valentine's Day and what I should do for my wife. We're going to talk about uh, the Super Bowl yesterday and most romantic movie scores. Craig, are you ready? So ready. So kicking it off here. Have you seen the Adobe Podcast AI synthesizer restoration machine? A little bit. Uh, that video you sent me the other day, I was watching the one from Jeff Manchester, Manchester Music. I really just wanted to to ask you about Manchester Music so that you could do an impression. Hey, everyone, it's Jeff Manchester, Manchester Music. <laughs> Bring it in, pull it in, right. push it back, hit that subscribe button. Yeah, I like his videos. He's a cool dude. Yeah, he doesn't post enough. It's the thing. It's because he's doing doing that isotope hustle. It's because he's busy. Yeah, it's fair enough. So mm. the Adobe podcast thing is in beta, and basically just upload a wave or MP3 file and tell it to restore, and it will synthesize information just guessing in the waveform. So it will remove background noise and do a lot of like RXE style stuff. But it will also, if you have like missing information in the noise, it will add info based on what else it's seeing in the visual. That's crazy. And so what that means is if there's not a lot of information, like if you're recording from your iPhone mic, you know, from across the room, then... Mm -hmm. It could potentially make you sound like a robot voice. Yeah, because I think in that video he was he was showing some examples of recording with his phone, and then yeah. also recording with like a, a nice condenser mic kind of thing. Yeah, it's yeah. really interesting because the the comparisons were pretty close, which I know. was kind of blew my mind. I was like, whoa. Yeah. So his his thumbnail said the end of mics, and I was like. Are we not going to use microphones in the future or like nice microphones in the future? Because we have, you know, the, our pocket microphones and Adobe can clean our stuff up. Mm -hmm. And what I would say to that is not everybody wants to keep an Adobe account. Yeah, I I don't, you know, I, I don't think there'll ever be like an end to that. It's It's kind of like people saying like, will DSLRs ever just go away because camera phones are getting better and better with like, you know, like, oh, this this phone's got five different cameras and it has like all this, you know, crazy stuff that it can do. But I think there's there's always going to be that sort of like level of professionality. Like you're not going to like show up to a, a filming gig, you know, like like if I was going to like film an interview, the last thing I want to do is all right, so here, let me go ahead and set you up. I got this nice camera right here. And they're like, whoa, 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 wait, that's a that's an iPhone. It's like, oh, right. I don't know, but it's, it's got five cameras built in. It looks great. <laughs> you know, like there's there's some there's something about, you know, showing up with certain types of gear. Not to say that it's like, oh, look, I, I got a DSLR. So, you know, I obviously I know what I'm doing. Sure. You, know, there's, you still got to know how to use the tools. But, yeah, I think, you know, it's the same thing with you know, like miking, like, you know, I'm going to mic this acoustic guitar or, or something like, and you bust out your iPhone. Oh, I could just restore it with some AI technology. It's all good. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, I get what you mean. People have definitely not accepted phones as like professional technology. But on the other hand, Steven Soderbergh shot a whole movie on iPhone. 
just to prove a point, basically. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, I, I, not to say that can't be used for that, especially if you're doing kind of like run and gun style. I mean, because like, you know, especially if you have good to decent lighting, you can, yeah. you can get a a lot out of an iPhone. That's the but... thing is lighting is so so important and audio. Mm-hmm. If you have lighting and audio in a good spot, like people forgive bad video or subpar video, like oh that. They're not necessarily noticing like, oh, the shadows are not quite there or like the highlights are a little blown out. Yeah. Or there's like kind of like noise, you know, video yeah. noise and stuff because yeah. it's like not good in low lighting or something or that. Because that's another thing, too. Like, you know, if you have cameras that have like a lower f-stop, it's a little bit easier to, you know, Way easier. get away with bad lighting. Like, like even like filming in here, like it's relatively dark, but having that yeah, sort your of cave. Like, yeah, the, my bat cave. You know, it's like having having a little bit low, lower of an f stop helps with just being able to have, work in a lower lighting situation. Even though I do have like a a big like LED light right here, but then, actually I forgot I forgot to turn this light on actually. How nice! Well, come on, man. What am I doing? Speaking of lighting, I forgot to turn one on. <laughs> but then when you uh, like when you go wide open, then you miss focus. So yeah, yeah. So you gotta. You know, it's it's one of those things too. You can play around with that to get certain effects and stuff, especially if you're doing that kind of like you know the bokeh sort of thing. Especially yeah. if you're doing like product photography and stuff like that, having that nice kind of depth of field helps. I totally agree. So I am going to try this Adobe Podcast AI synth stuff while it is in beta and it's free because it's interesting to me, and I might apply it on this podcast audio right here. Nice. But um, the next thing is. The Super Bowl. Did you watch the Super Bowl? I did not. I didn't either, but I watched the halftime show today as as I do. It was 13, almost 14 minutes long, mm-hmm. and Rihanna came out of her musical retirement to perform. She hasn't performed live in five years. Mm. And uh, it's crazy. I was reading the statistics after an artist does the Super Bowl their streams skyrocket. Oh, I believe it. So when Shakira uh, performed, it was like 200x. It's crazy numbers. So yeah, nice little payday. You get paid doing the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. And then you get paid by Spotify. But just fractions of a, of a penny, right? Yeah. But I mean, like those guys. I mean, dude, the other day I, I saw um, the, the artist Bad Bunny. Yeah, dude, he monthly gets like over 65 million listeners. Wow, that's ridiculous. So he dude's getting paid, you know, especially <laughs> if you have that many listeners. Who knows how many times they're streaming? Yeah, that's crazy. It's uh, it's definitely it all funnels to the top like three percent of artists making all the all the money. Yeah, they're the ones taking all the cheese, all the cheddar. All so, speaking of uh, food, Potato Jet is one of my favorite YouTubers, and I sent you a video of his where he made a TV background, and it looks oh yeah, like yeah, I thought a, that was a that window. Was mm-hmm. Yeah, that seemed right up your alley, to be honest, because you're you're living in a cave. You mm-hmm. uh, if you have any windows in there, you're covering them up. Yes, yeah, so- there's there's actually a window here and here but I, I masked them with acoustic treatment. 
Because right. I'm like, you know, doing video and stuff every, you know, every week. At least. Um, you know, yeah, just being able to control the lighting and stuff. That's what's, it, that's the, the nice thing about it is like, I don't ever have to worry about like, if it goes like overcast, like yeah. the, you know, video looking different or something like that. So it's just more, more for controlling the lighting, especially using like colored lights and stuff. Yeah. It really helps with being able to keep all that nice. And I actually have another window behind my computer right here, but that's covered with like a, like a blackout curtain. So you really are in a cave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, the cool thing is I could take these off, like they're just yeah, literally wedged between other, other acoustic treatment. But chances of that happening are very slim. Yeah, <laughs> when you take your vacation. Yeah. Well, he kind of did the same thing that you're doing with that monitor sitting vertical, but he just put it against the wall and then draped some curtains and he put three big TVs side by side, and uh, it just looks like a big window, like mm-hmm. a expensive window and he just put a bunch of like prop backgrounds and uh yeah. you should definitely if you're interested in video at all you should subscribe to potato chip yeah I've, I've i've come across his videos off and on throughout the years just whenever i would youtube different you know different types of like video tutorials and stuff or like you know, especially in the early days when I was trying to learn like color grading or what kind of lenses should I use or checking out reviews of different lenses and cameras and stuff like that. Like him, um, who's that other guy? He, he makes really good videos. Uh, dun, 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 uh, <laughs> Gerald Dundun. Oh, yeah, dun, yeah, dun, Gerald Dundun. Dun, 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 he's crazy. Perfect. Nice. Yeah. But nice. yeah, he, he, he has like nerd out videos where he'll just like go into like all this different stuff and like compare different things, like super detailed stuff. So it's like, yeah, he basically gives you more information than you could ever possibly want to know about a lens is what he does. Yeah. You're like, I don't know what you're talking about, but okay. So buy it or don't buy it. You either buy it or you don't buy it. It's one or the other. You can't do both. Right. Uh, no, Gerald, Gerald Dunn seems like a good dude, and uh, I like his videos as well. But Potato Jet is much more entertaining, and I've bought a drone and two cameras based on his recommendations. So he is a salesman. So, you know, if you're not in the market, don't don't be watching. Yeah, that's the thing, man, with YouTube. You, you, you get, you know, the interest to check something out. More than likely, you're going to find a video that's going to probably try to course you into buying it. You're like, damn, I feel like I need this now. Speaking of, Granny Piano just came out. Yeah. And if you don't have that, you should get it. Yeah. It's only $19. You're messing up if you don't have it. So Old Busted Granny Piano is the first piano that Mike Peasley, the master sample designer, recordist, uh, recorded. And this is... This is grandma's piano. It's a non-brand, just sitting in her house for years and years, collecting dust, nasty, keys are broken. It's in bad shape. And of course, the fellows are like, the best thing we could possibly do is record every single note. Mm-hmm. And that is granny piano. But the original came out in like 2011, and we just updated it. We gave the old girl a... The old cleaning, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, gave it a new GUI and some new custom effects presets and ambient pads. And if you're looking for that 
rundown upright sound with rickety keys and a, a weird sustained pedal noises. This is it. This is the one for you. Yeah, the, like um, like one of the things that I was talking about in the in the walkthrough was using the entertainer because that's oh, yeah. one of the demos, and I thought it'd be cool to to show it off in that way. Because I mean, we have the drinking piano, which which also has a little bit of that, but it's got like you know its own character, so this has like its own kind of flavor to it, and it's very like you know sound iron nostalgia at this point. You know, it's, it's like yeah, it's got, it's got that that OG sound, but yeah, it's it's really cool, and it it has a a very distinct sound especially for that kind of style and especially if you do the untuned version it is like Mm -hmm. 75 cents flat or something like that yeah it's like like when you play the the tuned and the untuned together it just sounds like it's like almost like shy of like a semitone you're in a horror environment straight up yeah it's just like just ready for that but yeah it's uh yeah it's really cool and yeah the there's a lot of really cool custom effects presets and the ambiences and yeah, just like the new user interface, like just makes it much more usable. Yeah. It needed, it needed a facelift. I would say that, um, the drinking piano smells like beer and the granny piano smells like cats. Yeah. It smells like cats and moth balls. Laugh balls. Yeah. Very dusty. They're both, they're both nasty in their own way. Yeah, it's got that, you know, it's you know, it it has that 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 feeling of, you know, going to your grandma's house and you know, she's got a she's got a some muffins in the oven and cat hair all over the couch. Yep. So, if you want that sound in your piano, you know where to go. You might need it. So, the next thing is growing on YouTube. So, I found this dude. I've been watching his videos for a little bit and I might try to get him on the pod, but his name is Jameson Nathan Jones, and maybe I like him because we share a name. But this, this I'm, I'm starting to think there's a bias here. I'm definitely <laughs> biased toward Nathan's. <laughs> uh, but he said, I spent a year trying to grow on YouTube, and here's what I learned. And he spent a lot of time editing this video, and he has 10,000 subscribers, and he, uh, he basically grew them over the past year, which mm-hmm. is um, no small feat. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever uh done youtube but like i spent some time doing my own little youtube videos and i think i have 150 subscribers so it's hard it takes a a lot of takes a lot of work and uh what sounds fun at the beginning is not fun six months in so you have to figure out some sort of sustainable pace for yourself and how much work and time is going to go into each video and Mm -hmm. um he spends a lot of time talking about the emotional roller coaster of uh, progress at the beginning and you count going up and then you get the lull and you get discouraged and then you have the trolls and the haters and mm. uh, <laughs> it's very lonely. It's a very lonely existence. Um, you don't have yeah. anybody uh, saying, hey, you should go at finish editing that, right? Or it's done now, so let's kick it out the door. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because I mean, like when I started a YouTube channel shoot back in like 2016, 2017 or something like that, it was just a means of, you know, putting my music out there because I was working on a a solo record at the time and just like filming playthroughs and stuff. And uh, because I was inspired by by other guys, like there's a dude named Keith Marrow and like Ola England, and they did a lot of like metal sort of 
like guitar playthroughs, but also like gear reviews and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And that's kind of how I started getting into that. And I think that's probably one of the one of the easier ways of kind of getting into that that YouTuber journey. Because there's always, you know, like we were talking about earlier about, you know, like Potato Jet and these guys who are like reviewing gear, like there's always people looking for that. You know, some, you know, oh, yeah. the new thing comes out, everyone's going to be looking at like, oh, I want to like hear how this sounds or they have certain YouTube people that they follow. They like their personality or like how, you know, their videos look like the production quality and how it sounds and all that. So like I, that's how I kind of got into it and just, you know, doing reviews and, and all that. And it's great practice for what you do now. Yeah, yeah. It's actually what led me led me to where I am now. But yeah, it's like, you know, you watch old videos and you're just like, oh, <laughs> you know, because it, it, it's it it takes a while to kind of find your groove, especially when, you know, you're first like, all right, I'm setting up my camera because actually speaking of like with iPhones like this is the you know, not this phone in particular I actually had a. Uh, a way older phone like an iphone 7 or something and that's what i used to use for yeah. filming all my youtube videos i didn't have a dslr i didn't get a dslr until i started doing videos for sound iron Did so you i was like damn you didn't know what you didn't know is the thing so you didn't know that the iphone 7 wasn't the top of the top right that's all i had i didn't have money for anything else yeah so you just, I was just used like, what you had yeah because because there's that moment where you feel like you need to like level up gear wise you know, I mean, I've been playing guitar for a long time, so it's like I, I can easily justify like, should I get this new guitar? Because I've already invested all the time in like learning it. So it's like kind of like, oh, OK, it's sort of part of what I already do. But when you're doing something kind of as a, a, a hobby thing, like cause I wasn't trying to go full YouTuber or nothing. It was more or less like to kind of, you know, a means of putting myself out there and reviewing gear. Cause it's like the cool thing about that is usually, you know, you'll get like a free copy or something or, or if it's something that I bought and I wanted to like do a video on it or something, cause I thought yeah. it was worth sharing, but yeah, it's, it's a little bit harder to, to justify like dropping, you know, a thousand dollars or, or almost a thousand dollars, eight to a thousand on a new camera when you're like, I don't know, is this like, can I justify this purchase? But I mean, if, if you're going hard, then yeah, you're like, well, this is what I want to do. So you, it's, it's easier to like invest in that, but yeah, that's the cool thing about phones now is like, you know, if you're just getting started and you want sort of like a low cost and you know, you already you got it. Shots. Yeah. So this was before you had colored lights and no colored lights. Yeah. I lit, I used to do a, I used to have a green screen as well. No kidding. I used to, I used to play around with that. I had this like, four by six green screen because I was like I didn't really have like the 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 best setup I mean it was like later on I started doing more on-camera stuff when I had my um kind of like home studio sort of setup and I started getting more into like decor and stuff like that but it, it's just a an evolution like you know it's funny like the first setup I ever had it was literally just like an old like HP computer like sitting on a box on like this like <laughs> rickety like desk right but yeah you got to start somewhere you know got to start somewhere man. well i'm glad you kept going yeah uh, youtube is a grind though it is a grind you gotta you gotta pick your relationship choose your relationship with youtube mm-hmm. and speaking of relationships uh valentine's day is this week and uh my wife said she's looking forward to all the stuff i have planned I was hoping that maybe you had some ideas. Oh, wow. 
She just threw it on you. Yeah, I said, well, as uh, equal partners in the relationship, I was looking forward to what you had planned. It's like, I just, you know, stay home, watch a little little TV, make some dinner. But it did make me think about some of the most romantic movie scores. And uh, so I looked up some lists, and the top one on on several lists was the Pride and Prejudice soundtrack by Dario Marinelli. Hmm. And uh, I don't know, you probably haven't watched that movie, but... uh, I have not. I have. And it is a very romantic solo piano kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely worth listening to the score. Nice. So so for Valentine's Day, you're going to write her a romantic score. I think that's my only option at this point. Yeah, I think you just, just, just write a score and you guys can listen to it. And then <laughs> she'll say, uh, I didn't really like that key change right there. I think you could have <laughs> did a little better. I don't think you care about me as much as you say you do right it and wasn't then, long enough yeah like oh that's it an hour it's gonna I'll be a long you. night tonight uh we're recording this the, the night before valentine's day so <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll let you know how it goes yeah yeah i mean i don't know like i think it's it's always nice to you know if you can like try to do something you haven't done or you know go out and just have a night out on the tan do some well, bowling Oh, bowling. Okay, I'll, I'll probably like go play pool or something. Nice. Speaking of writing a score, have you watched the new Avatar yet? I have not. I haven't even seen the first one. Oh right, didn't we talk about this? We might have. Okay, uh, so I, you, I, you need to see the Blue People movie. I haven't seen. The oh, the Smurfs. One. I've seen the Smurfs. Yeah, Oof, not the Smurfs. Down bad. What about Blue Man Group? No. <laughs> Uh, Get out of here. This is going downhill <laughs> real fast. Um, so Simon Franklin was a friend of composer James Horner, hmm. and he helped to co-write on the original Avatar movie. And he was an arranger, and he wrote, I believe, all the non-orchestral parts of Avatar hmm. 1. So I listened to a podcast with him, and he started he talked about when avatar was a hit uh they were like hey you're definitely going to do a second one and they're like okay and uh they were like clear clear your schedule for 2013 or whatever mm-hmm. and then james warner died in 2015 you still hadn't mm-hmm. even started doing anything with the movie and so they were so james cameron was like uh i think you're up for writing the score so simon franklin wrote this the second movie score and he used some of the original themes from James Horner, mm-hmm. but he also had the chance to do some of his own work, which is cool. And mm-hmm. he talked about on a podcast I listened to, he talked about, uh, making instruments that the blue characters would play. And so they have like, they're like massive creatures and they have really long fingers. Mm-hmm. And so they made like a lot of woodwind instruments that would be like sized for this big creature. Mm-hmm. And uh, James Cameron is a very passionate guy about doing everything, like taking it to the max. Yeah. And uh, so they made like real playable instruments for these larger than life characters. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
So Franklin also wrote the score for Pandora, the world of Avatar, which is the theme park attraction based on the film. Oh, okay. He added that he was able to design unique Pandoran musical instruments for the film, which was one of the unexpected delights. They were 3D printed by the art department and the props team. And so he was tasked on bringing new textures, voices, and elements to the score, adding, the sea is integral to many of the themes and motives in my score. Light, ebb and flow of waves, and the connection of the Navi characters in the movie with the water were all inspirations. Mm. So he got to record at the Newman scoring stage at 20th Century Studios with a 100-piece orchestra. And he got to bring a tenebrae choir ensemble from London and Pacific Islands choral music. And the scale of the music mixing exceeded a thousand tracks. Wow. So it's pretty wild, man. And the score is really cool. I haven't watched the movie yet. Like I said, I'm going to for sure Mm -hmm. when I have uh, three hours to to dedicate. But um, the score is really nice. And I loved the, the first score as well mm-hmm. yeah and i'm sure it must be an honor for him to be the one to kind of come in and do the score for that oh yeah like kind of uh stand in james Horn's shoes a little bit yeah i'd be a little nervous like oh man yeah especially because like get some some shoes to fill exactly uh critic reviews are like very positive uh Johnny Oleksinski wrote, Pandora also continues to be brought to life through music that, while composed this time by Simon Franklin, still bows to the wondrous work of the late James Horner. So the movie is like three hours and ten minutes. And he said he basically wrote three hours of music for it. Damn. So it's like wall to wall. Front to back. (laughs) Yeah, he was like, he said, uh, James Cameron gave me a few minutes of silence and I appreciated it. I uh, know. Imagine like the spotting session for that one. Like, all right, so it's going to start off before it fades into this scene. Music's already playing. And then at the very end of the, you know, the movie's like, all right, so now the music stops. <laughs> He's like, so yeah, I pretty much just, yeah, do music for the, the whole thing. Can right. I do that? <laughs> He's like, I think the the spotting conversations had more to do with where there was not music. Exactly. He's like, all right, we want a tiny bit of silence right here. And other than that, you're good to go. Just score it wall to wall. Yeah. And speaking of award-winning scores, this year, the Grammys had the first time uh, best score soundtrack for video games and interactive media. And so you had people like Bear McCreary and Austin Wintery. Yeah, so the the winning score, which is actually a score that I actually really like. I haven't played the game, but it's for Assassin's Creed. Is it Assassin's Creed Valhalla? But yeah, it's uh, it's I think it's off that whole like Valhalla series or based on, around the different like you know Valhalla. Yeah, you tip. were you were right. Yeah, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Dawn of Ragnarok. Yeah, it's a really good score, and it was composed by Stephanie Ikonomu. And it's really cool. Like she, um, she's actually done some stuff with Harry Gregson Williams, and seems like she's been coming up in in the composer world. Okay. So what's the music like? It's uh, is it Viking? Yeah, it's very like Nordic Viking 
stuff. Like uh, she actually had Inar Selvik on there who plays in Wardruna. And if you've seen like Vikings or anything, basically Nordic music, that dude's probably got his finger in it somewhere. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a really good score. It just, yeah, it has a, you know, all the things you would expect from a, you know, from a, a video game based around that. Cause uh, yeah, the, even like the I think the first Assassin's Creed Valhalla, he he did some stuff on there too, but yeah, it's a really good score and it's cool that the Grammys are acknowledging things like that because, especially the importance of music, not only just in film or just or just music by you know music artists, you know, a lot goes into video game music and it's almost treated about the same as like you know with film scores and you know just movies in general so that's yeah. cool that it's it's getting acknowledgement in that way yeah you know. i mean it's really hard work it's uh definitely an art form and uh it, people have worked really hard to get that to be an award in the grammys yeah so that's that's really cool and yeah that's a great score so that's that's cool that she won i'm gonna have to listen to it now you're gonna have to so instrumentation wise, it's like uh, a lot of strings and drums, not a lot yeah. of synthesized stuff. Um, I, there's probably some. There's actually some guitar in there too, which is pretty interesting. Like the the very first song on there actually has some like electric, distorted guitar. Okay, which is which is pretty cool. So yeah, it's it's not like one hundred percent, you know, true Norse music because obviously you know they didn't have electric guitars back then <laughs> right but um but yeah it's it's cool like there's a lot of um unique elements in like sound design and like cool atmospheric stuff you know percussion and you know all the yeah of course like orchestral stuff but yes yeah, yeah, it's really good score definitely worth listening to especially if you like that kind of stuff which i do the craig's all over that stuff mm-hmm. okay uh, I think that wraps us up so we can move on to recommendations. Recommendations. Um, I don't know if you have any recommendations, but I was going to recommend Chill Hop Beat Tapes. Uh, this is Evil Needle X Misha, and it's uh, instrumental chill hop. If you're uh, mm-hmm. not sure if you're familiar with that or not, but basically it's just like work office vibes of uh relaxing but with a a steady beat and it's usually like hi-hats are dragging and kind of doing like a dilla similar to that um with lots of synths guitar and it's very relaxed and uh keeps me working yeah that's actually something i recently started listening to because uh someone who i'm friends with on facebook was talking about how like he likes listening to um like video game scores while working which is something i i usually do that's usually what i'm listening to most of the time like it's like if if i'm listening to metal stuff it's usually when i'm doing cardio or if there's like a new album or something but yeah he was he was mentioning uh, yeah also like listening to a lot of uh like lo-fi stuff yeah and i was and i was like oh i should check that out and yeah and it's 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 very nice to have in the background because it's just you know it's not really much going on it's very just you know very chill very chill and very hop 
Yeah, because I don't I don't really like working in silence. It just feels kind of weird. And like usually you always have something in the background, either like podcast or an interview or you know, just something just to kind of be in yeah. the background. My so. other my other recommendation that I have just started is uh the founders podcast. Mm-hmm. And this dude is like a just ferocious reader and he reads like a book a week at least and then does a podcast on his notes on the book so Mm -hmm. he'll mostly do biographies and autobiographies but he'll just talk about like john d rockefeller or james dyson or uh rothschild or like the list goes on jeff bezos um any any sort of founder entrepreneur warren buffett Warren Buffett for sure, investor, uh, anyone he finds interesting, even even like bad people, like people who are not popular but they got mm-hmm. famous or rich. Somehow he'll he'll read their biographies and then take notes on like where they went wrong, and uh, it's a great podcast. You're like he was he was oh, he was doing all right, and then he started killing people. It's a lot of That's... drugs. Substances yeah. are not your friend. So he probably does like Pablo Escobar. <laughs> yeah. He's like, so here's, he, he was very charismatic and here's where he went wrong. Yeah. He just got into the drug trade. The hippos started killing were people. a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. I got to check that one out. I, I remember you were telling me about that one. Um, yeah. I've been listening to some different ones at, like uh, that Andrew Huberman. Huberman. Yeah. Andrew Huberman. For sure. Yeah. Cause, uh, I recently started checking out his stuff because I've been sort of re-upping my knowledge in in like working out and like bodybuilding and exercise stuff. And I saw one that he did with uh, Jeff Cavalier from Athlean X. Yeah. Which, speaking of recommendations, if you're getting into any kind of fitness stuff and you want to learn some, some get some knowledge dropped on you, that dude, because he's a, a physical therapist and, uh-huh. you know, and shredded. So obviously he knows what he's doing, but I like the, I like the way that he talks about fitness and, and muscle groups and stuff. Like sometimes he'll bust out like a magic marker and like draw on his arm, like your muscle fibers are like this. So you need to do these types of exercises, like, or debunking other ones that aren't as good. Yeah. Like he was talking about the, the upright row uh-huh. and how like, you don't even really get like full, um, you know, range, range of motion. Yeah, and he was showing one where you can use dumbbells and kind of like instead of pulling up, you bring your knuckles all the way back, and wow. that pretty much hits like all three heads of your deltoid, which is pretty cool. Like it, I, I think like a little bit of the rear delt, but mostly like the the front and the side. But yeah, like that kind of stuff is um, really cool. Like sometimes I'll just have that stuff playing in the background too. Like hopefully I'm just like subconsciously getting it. Sometimes it's kind of hard to, to focus on all the details, but when I'm like watching, watching, like there's a lot of good stuff, but, um, yeah, you're hoping to learn about osmosis. Yeah. I would, <laughs> uh, athlete X is awesome. And that's a perfect example of somebody who's just been grinding on YouTube because he's been posting for like 10 years, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm crazy. just like, damn, like, how do you keep thinking of new stuff? Cause like, it's funny. I actually, uh, you know, the YouTube recommendations. Yeah. I was, I was looking up something for like shoulder workouts and then two of his videos, one from like three years ago, which is like, like how to hit, how to work out your shoulders the best using dumbbells only. And then like right above it, there was a video that was two years ago, dumbbell only best ways to work out your shoulders. It's like, <laughs> it's like, a you know, 
probably like a little bit of an update, maybe like showing some some different stuff or whatever. But, you know, a lot of it, too, is, you know, trying to find new things to talk about because well, like yeah. there's only you know, there's only so many muscles that you can, you know. Well, I mean, you're, you're definitely repackaging content and you're you're doing your best viewed video. So like your highest, most popular video from 2014 you can do it again in 2018 with better lighting and better setup. Mm-hmm. And hopefully there's some new data or science behind it that you can talk about. But yeah. uh, a lot of it is what's most popular is probably going to work again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That one's a cool one. Uh, you know what I've actually been been watching lately? Well, I, I've watched season one, but the Your Honor show. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know if, if you watched that. Yeah. Dude, season two is good. I mean, season one is really good too, but like, like I love the the drama in that show. Like it, it's just like one of those things. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't compare it to Breaking Bad, but it's, uh, shoot. Even sometimes it might, it feels even a little bit more kind of like that feeling of dread when you're watching it. Like Breaking Bad had you know some moments, but like this, this show is not like funny at all. Like okay. it's just like dark. You just see everything like slowly getting to a point where it's like, oh my god, this is gonna, this isn't gonna end well. But yeah, if anyone hasn't seen that show, you should definitely check that out. It's on uh, Showtime. But if you have like Paramount Plus or most even Hulu, like you can get like a little probably like a Showtime extension. Conan O'Brien had Brian Cranston on his podcast, and he was talking about Your Honor, and he was like, "I really like season one," and he was like, "I didn't really know how you were gonna make a season two, honestly, and I wasn't really mm-hmm. excited about season two, but then I heard the premise, and I'm I'm in." So he's like, "I'm in, man." Yeah. Oh yeah. Speaking of the Super Bowl, did you see that Popcorners commercial that they did with the Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul? Wow. Yeah, they did uh, like a Breaking Bad commercial. For uh, popcorners, because I guess the the ad writers are are big fans of Breaking Bad. Nice. So they had this idea of doing a sort of like you know a spinoff of Breaking Bad, but instead of making meth, they're making popcorners snacks, and it's the that's, white cheddar. That is that, that's what they had. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's pretty funny. He's just like, yo, Mister White, this is like the best snack I've ever had. <laughs> and then they're all like talking to Tuco, and he's like doing his his thing. But yeah, it was wow. it was pretty funny. That's the only the only thing super Super Bowl related that I saw because I'm not a big. Did I hope they got I hope they got the bag and not just not just popcorners either. I hope they got paid. I'm pretty sure they got a little something. They probably get like like a lifetime supply of of snacks. Sure. I'd be down for that. Like I'll do it for the snacks. Don't sell yourself too short, Craig. Pay me with popcorners. And on that note, we will wrap this podcast here. Thank you so much for listening. If you're still here and you haven't subscribed, please fix that immediately. We appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, leave us a, leave us a review and and tell us how silky our voices sound. Yeah, especially Craig's. Um, oh yeah. Check out check out Granny Piano, old busted Granny Piano for nineteen dollars. It is on sale now. You will like it. We hope so. Listen to the demos. Yeah, listen to the entertainer. Yeah, I wish I could play that, but I can't. It just takes practice. Just watch it on YouTube. Learn it by osmosis. Learn it by osmosis. Boom, boom, boom. All right, Greg, I'll catch you next week, my friend. Until next time, adios. Peace. Peace.